Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there, this is Rosemary. I was on the Dick Van Dyke Show and the Doris Day Show and Hollywood Squares and had a very nice career and I decided to talk all about it on the Dr. Sky Show. This is Georgiana Nupi Rodriguez, Rose Marie's daughter, and I am a fan of the Dr. Sky experience on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome once again to the Dr. Sky Experience, heard exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC, out of New York, around the nation, around the world, and I'm sure out into the cosmos. Dr. Sky Experience is here on the crown jewel of radio, the number one radio station in America, in our opinion, the iconic 77 Talk Radio WABC. As many of you know, for this long legacy that we've had with this particular archive, We usually do the great subject matters of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather in pure science, but also interlaced in our very popular program, our interviews from celebrity guests. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we continue with that particular part of this, the Dr. Sky experience. A number of years ago, we had the privilege and honor of interviewing one of the most amazing talents that I've spoken to in a long time. Her name is Rosemarie, an iconic radio, television, and of course, film star who, of course, really needs no introduction. But what's happening here, ladies and gentlemen, is amazing. On the line today with us to talk about the legacy of her mom and a brand new CD, and also celebrating the 100th anniversary of the birthday of Rosemary, which was back on August 15, 1923, his loving daughter, Georgiana Nupi Rodriguez. Thank you, Georgiana, for taking the time to talk about your mom's legacy and the way that you're, of course, promoting her life. It's always a privilege and an honor. Well, I'm so honored. And, you know, I got to ask you, this is just so interesting. How did you get the nickname Noopy? That's an interesting uh, twist on words, but how did you get Well, my father was very into nicknames and all his friends he had nicknames for. The guy that owned a boat, he called him Skipper and stuff like that. Well, uh, he always referred to my nose as a little noop. So (laughs) I would always get things on my nose when I was eating as a baby, I guess. And he'd say, oh, you have things on your noop. Let me get your noop. And it became nooper, and then it eventually became noopy, and then noopy stuck. <laughs> that's a cute way. So that's, that's how story. I got the, So that's how I got the name noopy, because Georgiana sometimes is a little long. So there people you go. like to say noopy is much faster than saying Georgiana. Well, I'll go with noopy. And, you know, in following that tradition, That'd be fine. I want to also... Oh, I want to also thank in this interview publicist Harlan Ball. We've been working with Harlan for about maybe 15 years, providing us, as you know, with some great talents, like we're talking about the legacy of your mom here today. But I wanted to read something here, then I wanted you to go into great detail, but I want to talk a little bit about your mom, just in case people out there, well, shame on them if they don't know the legacy of Rosemary, (laughs) but we're always open to education. But your mom is an American actress, singer, comedian, and vaudeville performer with a career ultimately spanning nine decades, which included film, radio, records, theater, nightclubs, and television. And as a child performer during the years, just after the silent film era, she had a successful scene career under the stage name of Baby Rose Marie. Now, I'm amazed at this because your mom told it to me and I tried to listen, but I was so much concentrating on the Dick Van Dyke show that I might have missed it. So... Talk about your mom. This is incredible. She's how old? Three or three to five years old, and she's got her own radio show across America. Yes, she had her own radio show at five years old on uh, NBC. 
And then wow. from there, she went into vaudeville and was playing vaudeville theaters. So she truly encompassed every bit of the business that there is. And I don't think there's any other performer that has actually done that. Absolutely. Uh, You say it so well. uh, As a child star, she was huge. And then when she started to play theaters, the um, NBC decided that she had to go out because people couldn't believe her voice was coming from a five or six year old. So they they literally put her on the road so that people could see that she was actually a child. And she played vaudeville where they did, you know, six, eight shows a day, something like that. So she, she literally, from the time she started singing, she never stopped as a child star. She never stopped. No, that's an amazing, amazing story. Totally incredible. And we're privileged and honored, ladies and gentlemen, because you're just joining us here on the Dr. Sky Experience. Proud to be here on Talk Radio 77, WABC, the iconic radio station, the crown jewel of radio. Our very special guest for this segment is a continuation. Actually, it's part two of a two-part interview. One we did, of course, with the legend of film and stage, Rosemary, her daughter, Georgiana Nupi Rodriguez, is kind enough to spend some time today to talk with us. But I wanted to go right to the heart of the interview here. You're in now in the celebration of your mom's 100th anniversary of her birth and a celebration of her life. Something that's coming out that hasn't been around before is what? A complete compilation of her songs, her singing. Tell us about that and how can people get this? Because over a nine-year decade career, there's a lot I'm sure that people need to learn. I'm sure they'll be thrilled to hear this. Well, as... Uh, we were preparing her film documentary, Wait, Wait for Your Laugh. She saved everything. She saved films. We had 65 scrapbooks. We had everything, and including audio tapes. So mm-hmm. we transferred some of the audio tapes at the time, but really didn't use them all that much uh, as far as the film was concerned. So we decided for her 100th birthday she has an amazing fan base when she passed away she, on facebook she had 35,000 fans now she has 65,000 fans That's and uh her fan base kept saying when she would sing on the dick van dyke show they loved her singing so we basically decided on her 100th birthday to delve into all of these recordings. We had cassettes and reel-to-reel and just boxes full of audio recordings because she saved everything. So we, we put together 29 tracks of, of her singing, and some of which is, is she's singing as a child, and then we literally take her up from singing as a child all the way up to the 60s and 70s. She's a marvelous singer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been listening to some of these tracks myself off of YouTube. And of course, going to that website that you had, of course, which I'm sure is still active, talking about your mother's life and the celebration of her life. There is so much there that, you know, I'm a big fan of this era. And what era are we talking about? I mean, this is all inclusive for a person who's had a career of 90, you know, of nine decades. That's an incredible career. But I wanted to ask you this in the time we have with you today. This is just an amazing moment in time for not only myself, but I'm sure many, many of the fans that are, of course, wanting to know more about the legacy of your mom, the great Rosemary. You describe here in some of the material provided for these interviews, which is fascinating, and I'm jumping fast forward into her life. Describe this. Frank Sinatra, learning her mother was pregnant with her even before her father knew. Now, the relationship between your mom and Frank Sinatra, that that could be a whole interview for a few hours. But tell us a little bit about (laughs) your mom's relationship with Frank. Well, she, she of course, had known Frank when she was singing in in nightclubs. So back in those days, of course, the Copa and places like that, they they, they were all run by the mob anyway. And so she knew Frank way back when, but she was, Actually, picking my father up at uh, NBC, my father was a wonderful musician, and who was on some of these tracks, by the way, and awesome. um, and he uh, 
so she was picking him up. She had just found out she was pregnant, and Frank was walking out. And he, he said, hey, Rosie, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. The hug, the this. And so she says, well, I'm here to pick up Bobby, you know. And, and, and yes. so he said, how are you doing? And she goes, fine, I just found out I'm pregnant. Oh, my God. And he got all excited and everything. And he said, so he said, Bobby, Bobby doesn't know. And she said, no, you're the first. So uh, my father came out and uh, it was, you know, hi, Frank, this, that, and the other, because my father had also played on a lot of Frank records. And um, so it was, you know, so uh, she said, well, uh, I just found out I'm pregnant, you know, and so the three of them hugged and it was a big thing. And so Frank was actually the first one. And for some weird reason, I developed such a crush on Frank Sinatra (laughs) in my later years. I just adored (laughs) Frank and uh, he just he just became my I mean, he he was my idol. I mean, I just I just loved him. and. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but, uh, you know, we certainly stayed close. I mean, uh, show business is a very, uh, very tight group in those days. Everybody knew everybody, and everybody took care of everybody at that time. These are wonderful stories. I don't know stories, if that's the case sharing. today, but no, that's how it was wonderful stories then. that you're sharing. But I wanted to mention to you, Nupi, that here at WABC, one of the most iconic stations in the nation, I don't know if you're aware of this, but on the weekends, their, their legacy has always been Music Radio 77 with great people mm-hmm. that are still doing broadcasting, like our friends over there in, in New York City. But a gentleman mm-hmm. named Joe Piscopo, the actor, actually does a complete sure. weekend show all about Frank Sinatra, which is so incredible. Yeah. And I can't get enough <laughs> of listening to that on our own station here, WABC, which changes over to Music Radio. Yeah, yeah, he's very, very good. He's very good. He does a great Frank. (laughs) He really does. Well, Nupi, let me ask you a little bit about yourself in this interview, too. I mean, am I correct in in reading that, and I hope I read it correctly, you are a television producer, or that's your background? Describe yourself a little bit. Yeah, actually, I I started, uh, I, I was a segment producer on the original Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder, which followed Johnny Carson in those days. And it was, wow. yeah, it was based here in Burbank. And then, of course, it eventually moved to New York. I didn't move to New York with the show, but I booked shows from here and sent them to New York. But mm-hmm. uh, the show got moved because uh, uh, NBC needed a strong anchor. And Tom was very popular here in Los Angeles. So they shipped him and the uh, Tomorrow Show back there. So uh, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's how that happened. Yeah. And then after that, I mm-hmm. I worked at the local uh, NBC station, and I uh, worked on a show called The Saturday Show, and produced sixty five live remotes every Saturday. Wow, and, uh, that's an amazing legacy yourself. I mean, not to go away from your mom's legacy, but. I remember in New York City, that's where I was you know, originally from, and I'm out here in Phoenix, Arizona now, but still tied to WABC. But I remember okay. going to uh, 30 Rock, and I don't know if I actually saw him, but I used to really enjoy Tom Snyder's style. I mean, that was so unique in the time. And uh, what, what a great television per- performer he was, reporting and doing yeah, the things Tom, he's done. Tom I, was an amazing uh uh, anchor for the news. Uh, the thing that I admired most about Tom was that I could give him notes about a guest and mm-hmm. he could read them and then put them down and never, ever look at cards. So I learned wow. from him and the fact that anytime I ever produced anything for a talk show and somebody had a card, I always basically took it away from them. And they all oh, go, but amazing. I can't function. I said, yes, you can. Talk. Wow. Well, you've done amazing things and that in itself, uh, Nupi, could be an interview in itself. But back, back to your mom here. I mean, these are things that people may not know. And I find fascinating on stage, Broadway's Winter Garden Theater, your mom, Phil Silver, starring in Top Banana. That's that's fascinating. Going from 
doing singing on stage to actual Broadway. Talk, talk about that. That's an amazing time in your mom's life. Share with us some that, of the thoughts about that time. Yeah, that, that was an amazing time. I was about five or six years old at the time that she was doing Top Banana, and I used to hang out backstage. And I was always told to sit in a chair and sit there and just be quiet. And I adored oh. Phil Silvers. Phil, Phil loved the fact that I would sneak into his dressing room sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, but there was, there was one day that um, I, or I don't know if it was a matinee. I probably was. And I was sitting in the chair and the show had ended. And everybody was taking their bows, and Phil came up to me, and he said, get down from the chair. And I said, well, I'm not supposed to. Uh, <laughs> and so he said, no, 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 it's okay. And there was, a, there was a part in the movie where they called it the finger bit. It was an old vaudeville hmm. thing where they would grab fingers, and they couldn't sure. unlatch them, and they'd twist themselves up and, and do all that kind of thing. It was an old vaude- vaudeville routine. So anyway, as my mother described it, she went out to take her bow. And then all of a sudden, she hears the audience go, oh, <laughs> and Phil is walking out with me on the stage. Interesting. And he's uh, <laughs> and he's saying to me, don't let go of my don't let go of my finger. I said, OK. Wow. So we went to thing and the audience went nuts. I remember as a Kid, looking out at that audience, I remember that the stage was wood. I mean, isn't that crazy? But yes. um, <laughs> it was a huge audience. I mean, you know, the Winter Garden is 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 huge, and yes, um, is. and I so I so I you know so I did the thing. The curtain comes down, it comes back up again, and and the audience is going crazy because Phil had said, "Do not let go of my finger." And I said, okay, you know, so, and he started to do the finger bit and I'm telling you, the audience went nuts. So the uh, curtain comes down and my mother turns around and looks at Phil and goes, really? And he says, just know I'm the first one that put her on a stage. And he he walked off. (laughs) That's a great story. That's that's amazing. That's what I remember about the Winter Garden. Wow. You know, ladies and gentlemen, and just in case you're joining us, you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience. We're here where? Talk Radio 77 WABC, broadcasting proudly out of New York, around the nation, around the world, and I'm even sure out into the cosmos. We're here on the crown jewel of radio. And our special guest today, talking about her mom's legacy, and it's an amazing legacy, 100 years as we talk about, well, over nine decades of an individual from film, stage, and, of course, music, all different genres, ladies and gentlemen. The famous Rosemary, her loving daughter, Georgiana Nupi Rodriguez, is spending time with us today talking about the legacy of her mom and how they're remembering it with a brand-new CD. So how can people go and get the CD? Tell us, just wherever good books are sold, I guess, like Amazon or across uh, the actually, world. Actually, you can, you can um, get it on uh, Amazon. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's called Rose Marie Sings. Or you can go to her website, MissRoseMarie.com, and all of the links are there. You can see her documentary. If you're an Amazon Prime person, you can watch it Mm -hmm. uh, for free. Um, And uh, it literally goes through her, you know, 90 minutes of her career, which was tough to cut down. But, you know, we did it. Wow. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful documentary. It's a wonderful documentary. We're very proud you know, of we it. We continue with just a few more minutes with you today. And again, I appreciate your time so much. I want to thank Paul, sure. Paul, the publicist, for helping set all this up. And also, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our producer, Dr. D, who maintains all the technical side. So all these interviews, what we're going to do, Nupi, is to mention before for the audience, interlace your interview in the beginning and then follow up with your mom's interview that we did so proudly back a number oh, of great. years ago. But I want to just ask you a few more things. Now we're talking not only about stage, we're talking about Phil Silvers and Top Banana. Wow, this is so amazing. Your mom's dancing with Fred Astaire at Betty White's house. I mean, this almost seems so surreal. Talk about it, because this I I just love that era of of, of theater, of stage, and of, of course, of film. Describe that experience. Wow, that's powerful. 
Well, you know, I wasn't there, but she certainly mm-hmm. talked about it when she came home. During that era, everybody had a dinner party. It was very, it was a very close group of people, and everybody always had a dinner party. Every weekend was always a yes. dinner party. And we were very good friends with Betty White and Alan Ludden. They were over at the house numerous times. And Mother went over to Betty and Alan's house one night, and and Fred was there. And, of course, I mean, who didn't watch Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers? I watched them over and over and over as a child. And and, uh, she she had said to uh, Betty, she said, you know, it's always been my dream to dance with Fred Astaire, you know. And, and so I guess Betty kind of set it up, and they put on a, a record, and and Fred came over and asked her to dance, and that was quite that was the biggest thrill for her ever. Oh, and uh, that's incredible. It was a it's yeah, just, uh, but it was it was basically at a dinner party, and like I and of course my mother, being being Italian and and Polish, she loved to cook. So we had dinner parties all the time. We had people coming in and out of that house all the time. Beautiful. It was a very happy That's house. And we conclude with just a couple of more experiences that you'd share with us, and we appreciate it. Sure. Well, five seasons as Sally Rogers. This is probably where most people know your mom, and they're learning much more about her. The Dick Van Dyke Show. And I understand that Dick Van Dyke is what? Well into his high 90s. And if I'm correct, I think uh, he's he going actually, to be. Yeah, I think he's going to be 97 or 98 in December. Wow! And, and I think he has something to do with Arizona. Going, yeah, yeah. I heard he's even out here. But this is the most amazing uh, part of the interview here: the Dick Van Dyke Show. I mean, Sally Rogers. The show is obviously on MeTV, MeTV Plus. It seems like it'll go on for hundreds of years. And I'm sure if there's in aliens out in space. What do you think there? It'll be, it's probably being broadcast and received by that. I'm sure it is. In the galaxy. I'm sure as we're Absolutely. sitting here, it's running somewhere. Tell us something it, about that show that's so important that the listeners would want to hear. I mean, that well, whole relationship you know, between it Dick was, Van Dyke. Yeah, it, you know, there are, there are two things. First of all, it was only five years out of her life. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing was that she was, after Dick was cast, she was the next one cast. And she actually cast Maury Amsterdam because when she went in and she met with Carl, yeah, when, when she went in and uh, met with Carl, he basically described the show to her, you know, the writers, this, that, the other. And she Mm -hmm. said, who you got for the second writer? And Carl said, well, you know, we don't have anybody. And she said, why don't you get Maury Amsterdam? Because everybody knew Maury who had been around every comic in the world. Because Maury mm-hmm. was always known as the human joke machine. You could mention oh, horse yeah. and he'd have a joke or right. whatever. And 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 uh, so he was actually living in Yonkers at the time. And I do remember my mother coming in and calling him going, Maury, you've got to get out here, like right now. Awesome. And he said, well, and so actually Maury, because when she was brought in, they said, well, we're going to call it the Dick Van Dyke show. And she said, what's a Dick Van Dyke? Because <laughs> Dick had only done Bye Bye Birdie at that point. Yes. And uh, uh, so they said, well, it's this guy we found, blah, blah, blah. He's young, he's talented, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. So she actually uh, cast Maury in the show. But <laughs> one of the things that... Um, I insisted that get put into the documentary when we were shooting it. I said, is that people have to know that the residual schedule is not back then is not like it is now. And I said, after 1968, I said, she hasn't made a dollar from this show. Interesting. And people always thought she was like women in it. You know, it was like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. she's got to be loaded. And it wasn't true. And every time that we screened her film, that part would come up and the audience would gasp every time. Wow. Because people had no idea. Now, of course, you know, friends and, 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 and uh, shows like that, that, that are making, I mean, you know, most of those people will never have to work again if, but uh, after, and my father had passed away during, the last year of the show. 
So it was very tough for her because she got of course. into a very deep, deep depression and actually didn't want to do the last year of the show. Uh, and so, so what happened was the um, director came over one night, John Rich came over and sat with my mother and they were up all night. Because when I went to bed, he was there. When I got up in the morning, they were still sitting at the table. And um, he literally talked her into coming back. He said, look, it's just, you know. And so she said, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can be funny. And and mm. he said, no, you can and all that. And she finally realized, yep, okay. You know, I don't want to get fired. <laughs> so well, sure, but it must have been very difficult. Came obviously, back. emotionally. Right, you bet. It was very, it very was difficult. extremely yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a wonderful marriage and he had gotten sick with an unknown blood blood disease and to this day they still don't know what it was. They were sending samples of his blood all over the world. Jeez. And uh it was yeah. it was a cancer leukemia kind of thing. They aren't sure. They thought maybe he might mm-hmm. have gotten it when he was in the army. And it yes. finally surfaced or something. You know, they don't know. They didn't know what it was. And so he passed away when he was only 48 years old. Well, I'm sorry for your loss and your families. We only have yeah, a few more minutes was, in our time allotted today. It was a very tough, today, tough time. No, it's very difficult, I'm sure. But obviously, but, the legacy uh, of your mom on the Doris Day show, we can continue on with the Hollywood Squares and also the Dean Martin show. But. One of the things that's interesting, I wanted to mention this because I didn't know this at all until I read it. Of course, that's how we learn. I was also involved in uh, some commercial and you know advertising and actually doing some film and commercials in the 1960s. And it says here that your mom appeared in two episodes of The Monkees. And the reason I mentioned oh, that... Oh, she actually appeared in three. Three? Well, I'm I lost She actually corrected. appeared in three. Oh, she was... Wow, oh, my re- God. Yeah. And that's a whole separate but, fan base. For her. Well, the, the reason the I mentioned that is the agent, the agent that I had in New York was the one that represented Davy Jones. So who knows? Yeah. I might have seen your mom passing through the halls in New York. <laughs> who knows? But well, you know, I wanted to say yes. Uh, you know, just just a quick story about that. She was Please. she uh, went ahead and did the uh, monkeys, and they liked her so much that they rewrote her and brought her back. For two more episodes, and she became the monkey's mother. I love it. And they <laughs> even wrote a song about her. And I was told that when the last thing that the monkeys did, and they went on tour, uh, that they, of course, you know, tons of tons of people were there. They had video mm-hmm. screens. And they started to sing that song, and they put a, and they put a picture of my mother up there, and they said the audience went nuts. I so bet. she has a whole separate no, fan base that all belongs to the monkeys. It's amazing. That's that is an amazing story, and you know, I just want to remind people that, of course, Rosemary sings is a brand new CD. The legacy of your mom, of course, continues out in time and space. Born August the 15th, 1923, a 100th anniversary of her life and a celebration of life. You can learn so much more by going to MissRosemarie.com. And if you don't mind staying on the line, Luffy, I just want to thank you first for being with us today. And also, ladies sure. and gentlemen, you're going to be hearing some excerpts from some of those songs that Rosemary sang and, of course, live on into the internal time of, you know, time and space. And I want to thank you for joining us on this edition the Dr. Sky Experience, where here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, as we like to call it, the crown jewel of radio, the iconic 77 Talk Radio, beaming ourselves from New York City, around the nation, around the world, and I'm sure, as we both talked about, well, out into the cosmos, a legacy here today, and talking about the life of Rosemary. Thank you for joining us. It's Please stay on the line. You know, our show. When the curtain goes up and you're ready to go, you walk right on and you sing them a song. You give them a smile. You kid them along. It's great when they laugh and applaud. And you know nobody is bored. There are times when things may drag a little and they sag a little so you gag a little. It's great when you know you're a wow, and you come back for more than one bow. You 
try out in the nightclubs for 30 bucks a week. The star gets sick, the boss is quick, don't leave me up the creek. Go do the show, but just like her, I say, of course, it's he gets her. But this game began in 1910, and she hasn't changed her act since then. Comes out to the Bodeo Dome, and a couple of hoop-hoop-a-doo. Now I'm going to sing your musical flute for you. You ready? You're the top. You're the Coliseum, you're the town, you're the Louvre Museum, you're an overture from a symphony by Strauss, you're a Shakespeare sonnet, a D.R. Barnett, you're a Mickey Mouse, you're the Nile, you're the Tower of Pizza, you're the smile on the Mona Lisa. And I know by heck I'm a total wreck of flop. But it's baby on the bottom, you're the top. He tipped his hat, I took the seat. I said I hoped I hadn't stepped upon his feet. He spoke my name, I held my breath. I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death. Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer. Plop, plop, plop went the wheels. Stop, stop, stop went my heartstrings. As he started to leave, I took hold of his sleeve with my hand. Just to sit with a fella so far to the end of the line. If you're a newcomer to the Dr. Sky Show, welcome once again. The normal topics here are from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather. But ladies and gentlemen, as this archive now goes into its well over 345th interview, we do from time to time talk to celebrities out there. And today, ladies and gentlemen, it's a privilege and honor to have Rosemary as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Dick Van Dyke Show. She's successfully conquering vaudeville, radio, screen, television, cabaret, Vegas, and the Broadway stage. One of entertainment's longest and most fascinating careers began at the age of three, and she was billed as Baby Rose Marie. She starred in several of the earliest talking films, beginning with a 1929 short, Baby Rose Marie, The Child Wonder, which was screened in theaters before feature films such as The Jazz Singer. In 1946, when Las Vegas opened its first big-time casino hotel, the Flamingo, Rosemary was hired by Benjamin Bugsy Siegel as one of the headliners, along with Jimmy Durante and Xavier Cugat. She had a brief Broadway career in Top Banana with Phil Silvers in 1960, and she accepted her first regular role on My Sister Eileen. The next year, the Dick Van Dyke Show premiered, and Rosemary became a household name. After five seasons, she moved to the Doris Day Show. She's the only original member of the hit game show Hollywood Squares to have worked on all of its reincarnations and its host. She toured extensively with Rosemary Clooney, Helen O'Connell, and Margaret Whiting in Four Girls, Four, and has released her best-selling memoir, a book that we're going to talk about today called Hold the Roses. To learn much more about Rosemary, visit her website at www.missrosemary.com. And with that, it is a real privilege and honor to welcome Rosemary to the Dr. Sky Show. How are you, Rosemary? I don't think you need me. You said everything there was to say. <laughs> oh, I need you, all right, because I'm a big fan of yours, going back to the days, of course, of watching the Dick Van Dyke Show, and also 
Amazing. I'm talking to you after one of my favorite television shows when I was a young kid, watching Hollywood Squares. So welcome to the show, Rosemary. Thank you very, very much. That was a wonderful introduction. Oh, my God, you you spelled out my whole career. Well, I tell you what, we try to do the best here, and we're so honored to have guests like yourself who can talk about the great stories that we're about to hear about the beginnings, of course, of your career. Rosemary, there are not too many people that I know, and I was a child actor for a while, but I never had a national radio show at the age of three. And tell us all about how you got started, and I think this is a great way to start, don't you think? Okay, well, um, I, I used to, my mother used to take me to see all the shows on uh, 14th Street in New York, which was at that time the 42nd Street of today. Uh, they had the uh, Academy of Music, the Jefferson Theater, all vaudeville with movies, and my mother used to take me to see them all. And I used to come back to the apartment, and I used to imitate everybody. Right. Not that I'm an impersonator, but I just loved to sing. And I would, you know, do everything that I saw. And my mother's neighbors, we lived in a railroad flat in New York City, and my, my mother's neighbors were upstairs, and I would go upstairs and I would sing for them and show them what I learned at the theater. And they just thought I was the cat's meow. <laughs> so when the Becca uh, uh, Theater on 14th Street had an amateur contest, they entered me. And my mother was petrified. She said, she does it at home, but I don't know whether she would do it for strangers or anything like that. Right. And they said, oh, don't worry, she'll be fine. So they bought me the dress that I wore and the brocaded Mary Jane shoes, which are now in the uh, in, uh, Institute, the, uh, uh, what am I thinking? I can't think. Uh, like the film? The, the Smithsonian. Well, the Smithsonian. Oh, yeah, they're in the Smithsonian Institute. Well, I have about 19 pieces there. That is incredible. And uh, so anyway, I won the contest, naturally, a four-year-old kid, a three-year-old kid singing like Sophie Tucker. You know, I won the contest. And uh, I, I ran off the stage, and, and, and somebody threw a bouquet of red roses in one arm, and somebody threw a bouquet of red roses in the other arm. And meanwhile, the audience was yelling, bring the kid back. We want the kid to sing. Have her sing. Bring, bring her back. You know. Sure. And I, I heard this, and I threw down the rose. I said, hold the roses. i got to take my bow. <laughs> and that's how I wrote the book. All it's right. called Hold the Roses. That's incredible. Our special guest is Rosemary, of course, from film stage and television. And she's here with us, ladies and gentlemen, on this special edition of the Dr. Sky Show. Yeah. Rosemary, we have so many young people that listen to this particular show and uh -huh. many, many parents. And i got to ask you, if you had a child today and they were looking to go into television or go into the modeling world or to go into film and stage, what would be your advice? And, and i got to hear... To go into show business? Yeah, absolutely. There is no show business. Wow. There is no show business today. There is no talent. There is nothing there. When I was growing up, I mean, we had people like Jolson, Sophie Tucker, Harry Richman, uh, Burns and Allen, uh, Danny Thomas, Joey Lewis, uh, Martin and Lewis, and, and so many talented people that that we had um, show business was at its peak. There is no show business today. There is no talent today. Maybe one or two people, and uh, all it is is long hair for the girls and to show their pippin'. <laughs> you know, Rosemary, I love your honesty because this is very interesting. Normally we get people here on the radio that talk to us about exactly the path to become famous and go on to being a star, but I like your honesty about this. But when, when do you think it's it changed? It's true because, you know, Steve, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because I really shouldn't be talking to you. I really should be a multimillionaire. Mm -hmm. I was making $1,000 or seven fifty a week on the Van Dyke show, and now these girls, oh, I don't know their names, mm -hmm. or the boys, I mean, they're all handsome, they're all beautiful, they're all making $20 million a picture. Wow, I know, it's amazing, isn't and it? And I don't know their names. No, I don't know their names, I don't know the pictures, I don't know anything. I feel like I'm, I'm not in the business at all. 
Well, there are very what? few people that we have in, in, in the industry today that have any talent. Well, when do you think this whole thing changed? I'm curious. Was, was it I don't know. It was a generation change. Right. It was a whole generation change. People don't sing anymore. People yell. Mm-hmm. You can't understand the music. You can't understand the lyrics. I, I guarantee you, you go see somebody sing, and you, you can't come out humming the song. You know, I have to agree. I think you're 100% right, and I love your honesty, Rosemary. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Why uh, should I, I love carry you. on and, 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 and say something I don't believe in? Well, I think that's exactly what we like to hear in our guests. We like to hear the truth. I love talent. I, I discovered Tim Conway. I discovered Michael Feinstein, because that's talent. Right. There's talent there. But all the, uh, the comics today are very, very... Very unfunny mm-hmm. because all they do is say dirty words. Right. And I and during my era of entertainment, nobody even said damn. Right. Totally different time and a totally different change. And I think you're 100 percent right, Rosemary. Well, I'm sorry to be so blunt. No, that's okay. That's what we like to hear in our guests, honesty. And I wanted to ask you, going down the road of your career, I find this so fascinating. We talked before in the introduction in 1946. The opening of the Flamingo. Well, I was uh, I was basically a nightclub performer back east, mm-hmm. uh, playing the Chaperie and the Copacabana and the Palmer House and Latin Quarter and places like that. I was a, a big nightclub performer, and I got married and came out to California, and I went into work. And the, the East never knew what the West was doing, and it's still that way hmm. and uh, I nobody had ever heard of me in California and uh, I got a date at a, the biggest nightclub in town at that time it was called Slapsy Maxie's hmm. Slapsy Maxie Rosenblum it was a big nightclub and I worked there and the uh, editor or the owner of the Hollywood Reporter Dr. Edelman I think his name was mm-hmm. And uh, he came over to see the show, and he said to me, I'd like you to play Vegas. And I said, what's Vegas? Okay. There was nothing there. There was sand. There was the El Rancho and, and um, what was the, uh, the Last Frontier. Hmm. That's all there was. The rest was sand. And I said, well, what is Vegas? And he says, we're opening up a new club with Jimmy Durante and Xavier Cougat. Well, now, I'm not an impressionist, but I always used to do a little bit of Jimmy Durante in my act as a, as a little gag. Sure. And it's got to be a big number in my act that I used to have to do a whole number on Jimmy. And Jimmy taught me how to do it. He would, I'd go over the house and he'd show me how to inflect the way he he did like uh, there she goes oh da 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 and uh, he just taught me everything of the way he did it even how he played the piano which was old time jazz oh he always made me laugh I always enjoyed watching Jimmy Durante on television and I, oh my god what amazing. a talent amazing anyway uh, I thought oh gee isn't that wonderful a chance to work with Jimmy that would be great you know I said fine I'll do it so uh The story of the flamingo. Yes. Bugsy Siegel got money from the mob. It came up to $2 million at that time. That's a lot of money. Then. Mm hmm. We're talking 46. Big money. And uh, that's why they called him Bugsy. Mm -hmm. They said, nothing's going to happen out there in the desert. What are you, crazy? And so they stopped giving him money to build his place. And this Dr. Edelman uh, went to him and said, I'll give you the rest of the money and and we'll open up the place. So that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And, of course, opening night, every star in Hollywood was there. Uh, Clark Gable, Lana Turner. Uh, you you name it, Robert Taylor, Robert Sandwick, everybody was there because nobody would say no to the owner of the uh, Hollywood Reporter. Of course not. You know. Right. So we had a loaded room of stars, and the show was sensational. 
today it would be the biggest thing that ever happened. And the show is great. The first night we were we were jammed. The second night we were jammed. And the third night we worked to nine people. Everybody went home. I was wondering about Xavier Cougat. Tell us about him. Xavier Cougat, he was all right. There was nothing super special about him. Mm-hmm. He was okay. He's a nice man. You know, he was a good artist. (laughs) (laughs) And Jimmy, of course, was the greatest guy in the world. And uh, we now the movie was wrong. They said we closed. We didn't. We worked the full two weeks. And I think what happened was that the cowboys in Vegas and and all the western people that lived there were afraid of this place because it was so high class with the uh, high croupiers on the chairs and and all the neon lights and all the you know extravaganza things Mm -hmm. whereas the other two places were strictly cowboy places so uh, Anyway, the Flamingo stayed open. They, the, the book and the movie was, was a lie. We stayed open, and we played the two weeks or three weeks, whatever it was. And then I think Dorothy Shea came in, and then Pearl Bailey came in. And it, it kind of stayed open. I see. And uh, then I, uh, it became the place, and I was uh, that was handled by the mob, and I was the mob's baby, so to speak. Very they interesting. Just, they just thought I was the cat's meow. Very interesting story, Rosemary. And you know, I wanted to get your impressions of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Tell us a bit about them. You had some what close contact with? Well, Frank, I have a wonderful inside story about Frank. Sure. My daughter adored Frank just just from his work and, and stuff she never met him she just uh, was thrilled by him altogether and when I found out I was pregnant my husband was a musician yes. and was doing the Bing Crosby show and Frank Sinatra was a guest star and I went to pick him up at the studio at NBC and Frank came out first and I said I'm pregnant. He says, does Bobby know? And I said, no, you're the first one to know. And Bobby came out and I said, I'm pregnant. And and Bobby said, I'll be a son of a bitch, you know. Mm-hmm. And Frank said, is that all you're going to say? And my husband said, I'll be a son of a bitch, you know. <laughs> and that went on for about two or three times. And finally, Frank grabbed a hold of me, gave me a hug and a kiss. He says, I love you, baby. Have a good one. Wow. And we we worked together. He would call me whenever he had a benefit that he would do for the firemen or the policemen, as mother, uh, parents and children. He would always call me to do a benefit with him. And he was the most wonderful, generous man I think I've ever known. Phenomenal. As far as uh, Martin and Lewis, yes. I knew both both of them when they were together and uh, all of a sudden they were together and became the biggest stars in the world and uh, we were friends very close Jerry used to call us up on the phone all the time and in my book Jerry was one of my angels when my husband got sick he uh, called in his doctor it's hard to explain on the phone you've got to read about it no I understand and let me promote the book the book is called Hold the Roses tell us a little bit more about the book while we have you here Rosemary what do you want to know? Tell us a little bit about it. I mean, it goes through your entire life, but, but to tell us a little bit more about this whole story that you're talking about with Frank Sinatra. I mean, there's so much people can learn from the book. It, there's so much to tell. Right. I don't think you have a program long enough. Well, I think you're 100% right, and I'll just tell people to get a copy of Hold the Roses, and that's available wherever good books are sold, everywhere from Amazon and ABE Books, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, to get Rosemary's... It, it's, it's, I, it, I wrote I wrote it all myself. 
on, on legal pad and gave it to my secretary to put in all the commas and the periods that I didn't put in. Sure. And I gave it to my daughter. She typed it up on the computer. We sent it to the publisher. I even designed the cover. That's they didn't cut anything, and it's word for word. I wrote every word. Well, and people need to go to get a good, get a good copy of Hold the Roses. Our special guest today is Rosemary, a legend, ladies and gentlemen, of radio, TV, and of the stage, and so much more. And she's our special guest here on the Dr. Sky Show. Rosemary, take us down the path to getting to the Dick Van Dyke Show. I want to hear about that. What happened there? Well, uh, Danny Thomas, I, I opened for Danny Thomas at the Martinique in New York. He was a big star in Chicago. He was a red-hot comic in Chicago and came into New York and everybody was waiting for the great new comic. And he played the Martinique and I was there to open for him. I told you I was in nightclubs, you know. Right. And I opened for him. And his wife's name was also Rosemary. And we became friendly, even more so family-type people. Uh, we were very close, and I worked at the, at the Martinique with him. When he came out to California, he did a radio show, and my husband played on that show. And Sheldon and Leonard and, and Danny used to come to the Flamingo to see me every time I played there because I played there five or six times a year. Mm -hmm. As I say, the boys like Al Capone and all of them was, they were, I was their baby. I was invited to the house for dinner and, and I had to meet all the boys like, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> like Pickwick and Louie and, and Tommy Brown and Black Jack and, mm -hmm. and, and all of them said, don't worry now, we'll look after you. Everything is fine. They were wonderful to me. They were just wonderful to me. And of course, they owned all the nightclubs, so I played all the nightclubs. That's a good thing to have friends that are on your side like that. Oh, they were wonderful. They were just wonderful. So anyway, uh, uh, Danny uh, and Sheldon used to come and see me at the Flamingo, and Sheldon said to me, don't you have a bomb? And I said, I try not to, you know. Sure. And he said, I said, what am I going to do your show, Danny? Make room for Daddy. You have everybody on there for a guest shot but me. And he said, your time will come. Your time will come. So I went on and I did other shows. I did all kinds of episodic shows. I did my sister Eileen. I did that for a year. I did, uh, I can't even remember. My resume is 12 pages long. I'm looking at it right now on your website, www.missrosemarie.com. And yeah. Rosemary, it's amazing. I mean, I see this wonderful picture of you and Dick Van Dyke and the entire. And, and, well, okay. You want me to go on? Yes, please. And uh, I went up, I got a call from the casting office one day, and they said they uh, want me over at the Desilu Studios. And I said, oh, I finally got the Danny Thomas show. She says, no, this is for a new show called The Dick Van Dyke Show. And I said, what's a Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> and she said, just get over to Desilu. So I walked in, I met Carl Reiner, mm -hmm. and Sheldon was there, and... Uh, Danny and Danny said I told you your time would come and Sheldon said to Carl he says if you want the best just get Rosemary which was one of the biggest compliments of my life absolutely and uh, I didn't read I didn't have to do anything I had the part mm -hmm. and I said who have you got for the third writer and they said well we haven't picked him yet and I said how's about Maury Amsterdam I said he was a writer before, and then he decided that he could be funny like everybody else and became a comic. Maury was very popular, and everybody knew him in show business, but the world didn't know him. Mm -hmm. The people in, in, in the so-called world, right. they never heard of Maury Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. So Maury... I called Maury. I, uh, they said to me, do you know where we could reach him? And I said, he lives in Yonkers. Here's his number. I've known Maury since I was nine years old. And Maury used to write all the material for me for my act. So we were also very close. In fact, I'm his daughter's godmother. So anyway, they called Maury. 
And then I called him and I said, they're going to call you for a new show called The Dick Van Dyke Show. And he said, what's a Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> I said, I don't know, but we got a show. And he says, I'll be out Monday. So he came out and he got the part. And that, that's how the Big Van Dyke show started. That's incredible. And it's still, it's still in syndication around it's the world. All, it's never been off the air. That's amazing. It's just and it was voted by all the television critics as the greatest show of all time. So, Rosemary, how many years were you Sally Rogers on that show? Five. Five years. Wow, that's incredible. They would have gone longer, but we didn't do a show in color. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Dick and Carl were afraid that they were running dry and they wanted to quit on top. That's amazing stuff. I said Dick Van Dyke is still alive. He's probably, what, about 86 years old now? Just about, yeah. Wow. So do you talk to him often? Oh, I see him all the time. That's fantastic. We go to, uh, uh, they've been honoring Carl Reiner a lot to the Academy and all that because the man has been brilliant, you know. And uh, so we always meet at these Academy things. <laughs> That's a great, great story. I mean, it just keeps going on and on, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's wonderful. Rosemary, I thank you for being our guest. I have one uh, one or two questions left, and I appreciate your time. Where would you find the two questions? Well, I tell you, I'm just, I'm just curious about after the Dick Van Dyke show. Just tell us a little bit more about your career from, from that time. Well, I did the Doris Day show mm -hmm. for three years after the Dick Van Dyke show. Mm -hmm. And she, by the way, is the greatest thing that ever happened. She's the sweetest lady and the most wonderful to work with. And I did, I went back to doing episodic television. I did so many shows. I mean, I did, uh, I, I can't even think of half of them. Ca Caroline in the City, uh, Murphy Brown, uh, shows like that. And I did a lot of those. I did a, a couple of movies, which, believe me, the Academy is not going to worry about. And... Uh, I've been busy doing, now this is funny, mm -hmm. I've been doing documentaries. Mm -hmm. Steve, you won't believe this. They call me to do, the, uh, talk about people who are dead. Yes. Uh, Jolson, uh, Sophie Tucker, mm -hmm. um, who else? Uh, well, I've, I've done two, two or three documentaries on Dick, and I've done... Uh, uh, George Goble, Martha Ray. Uh, n nobody's alive. I'm the only one left alive. That's amazing, Rosemary. I mean, you're still... You're and, still I, and I worked with all of them. I knew all of them. We were friends. We were... They were, they were my friends. We were... We were a clique all together. And... Uh, but they called me, they wanted me to do a documentary on the Dead End Kids. Nobody remembers the Dead End Kids. You know, I don't think I do, but is that like the Little Rascals? Oh, no, 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 no. The Dead End Kids were with Warner Brothers. They worked with Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Cagney and, and uh, Pat O'Brien. They made the uh, gangster movies. Oh, I think I know that. I think. And I went to school with Billy Halep and his sister Florence. Mm -hmm. I went uh, house shopping with Leo Gorsi and his wife and and my husband. We used to go house house shopping looking for homes. And I did a Broadway play with Gabriel Dell. So I mean, I knew them very well. Nobody remembers them. Yes. You're kind of right about the new generation in many ways. They don't remember a lot of what went Oh, they don't. Re Listen, I have a, a, a young man who works for me, uh, and he uh, takes me to the market, takes me here because I'm, I'm in a wheelchair. I have arthritis, but I get around pretty good. Sure. And uh, he never heard of Alice Faye. Wow. Interesting. How do you like that? Well, I'll tell you something, Rosemary. It's amazing, and that's why we love doing interviews with people like yourself who know. Well, there aren't many left. <laughs> God bless you. And you know what? I wanted to ask my final question. Talk to us about what I thought was the greatest show. I used to love this show. and Hollywood Squares and Peter Marshall. I love that whole show. Peter Marshall is a great, great guy and a very talented man. He's a singer. He did Broadway shows. 
and then got Hollywood Squares. He made no pilots. We did three pilots. One with, uh, um, who's the guy? Here he comes. This America. What was his name? Hmm. I don't remember. Anyway, he was one of the one of the guys that was made a pilot, mm-hmm. and another guy made a pilot, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Peter Marshall was the, was this spokesman for the show, and I did fourteen years of that. <laughs> I remember you very well. <laughs> that was so cool. That show. I can't hold a job. They should have that show again. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, it was a classic. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful, and people seemed to think that we were given answers. We weren't allowed to even talk to the contestants because of the big $24 radio show. Right. That They found out it was a fraud. Absolutely. This was real. We, right. we weren't even allowed to talk to the contestants. That's amazing. So we were very much on the level. Ladies and gentlemen, a phenomenal interview today. I'm sure you'll, you'll re- replay this often, and I hope you do. Rosemary, a legend of vaudeville, radio, screen, television, cabaret, Vegas, and the Broadway stage. Don't forget her book, Hold the Roses, is still available at Amazon and ABE Books. And visit her website. Believe me, folks, you'll love it. www.missrosemarie.com. 